Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Georgie Courage Cole, and welcome to today's Sherlock's In Conversation with podcast. Today, I'm really pleased to be talking about fertility and specifically IVF. It is something that more and more women are going through in life and something that I firmly believe needs discussing. As I always say, knowledge is power and my two guests today have a huge amount of knowledge on the topic. I'm really thrilled to be joined by Danielle Fox. Danielle is a health and beauty journalist has been for 15 years, but when she discovered that getting pregnant would not be a straightforward path for her, along with a midwife, she launched the Mission Baby podcast to share her highs and lows and first-hand experience of her fertility treatment, which ultimately resulted in IVF and then the birth of her son. I'm also joined by Dr. Melanie Upple, who has a vast amount of experience in the field of reproductive medicine. She's an associate member of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and a member of the British Fertility Society. I know, Dr. Melanie, you were a guest on the Mission Baby podcast and that you and Danielle know each other already, so that's wonderful. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Georgie. Such thank a pleasure. You. Oh, well, it's Danielle. Can we start with you? Yeah. I mean, you are a mother of a boy who's how old? Yes, he's actually 20 months today. Oh, God. So I had him in the middle of the first lockdown, which is probably not high on anyone's to-do list, <laughs> in the middle of the pandemic. Um, his name's Bo, um, but he is the result of many, many rounds of treatment and a successful round of ICSI, which is a sort of IVF plus and we can talk about that exactly what that is in the minute um but yeah he um he was and is um an amazing little boy um as a result of of my fertility journey a happy ending a happy ending <laughs> a happy ending Melanie can you tell us you're a mother of two they're a little bit older than Bo how old are they yeah so I'm a mother of two um uh, I finished my medicine and had my first child at that point. He is now 23 years old, doing investment in finance, decided not to be a doctor, um, which is fine. And my daughter is now 20 years old, doing second year of uh, dentistry. Da, da, da. She's got a dentist in the family. <laughs> oh, I was quite envious to What a high achieving family. <laughs> I was saying, I've, I've got five siblings, I've been desperate for one of them to become a dentist. None of them have, sadly. Um, can, can we talk just at a, at a basic level, what exactly, Melanie, what exactly is IVF? What's the process? Why do people use it? I mean, I think most of us have an idea, but can you just give us a little synopsis? Sure, sure, yeah. So what we say and, and what the stats have seen is if, if the woman, it's all about women's age, unfortunately. We all have to keep stressing on that. But um, a woman, a couple where a woman is less than 35 years of age and they're trying to conceive and if they've had regular unprotected intercourse for one whole year and they've not been pregnant 
then that means they would come and need some help. And in the case where the woman is over 35, this time then becomes half of it. And it's six months that if you've tried and had regular unprotected intercourse, you've not been pregnant, please do come and get some help. What is IVF? Now, IVF is the treatment where there could be different reasons why you're not able to conceive. It can be classified as as simple as something that you're not ovulating properly and you might need very little treatment as Daniel was just talking about having ovulation induction using Clomid or Letrozole and that could be some very basic little help that you might need and you're able to conceive or then going up to the other extreme or the other end of it where it is IVF where we're going to collect the eggs from the woman, collect the semen from the, from the men and um, put them together in the lab, create embryos and then we put that embryo back into you. So these are to be very minimal invasive to IVF, which is considered the slightly more invasive type of treatment. Yeah, which is very common these days and, and has been very simplified, actually. Can you tell us what the success rate is of IVF? So success rate, it depends on the age of the woman. Again, as I said, we have to keep talking about the age of the woman because that yeah, is... Yeah, you say at 35, you wait six months... Mm. And is that because the clock's ticking and you yeah, 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 yeah. it kind of nose dies a little bit and that's the scary thing. But I think it's about managing expectations. Age is an important, a hugely important factor. You know, we are at the moment um, delaying having children. It's a very common thing with, with women, you know, with lifestyle mm-hmm. factors. But unfortunately, age doesn't, you know, doesn't shift. It's something it's got to give. And unfortunately, age is a huge factor when it comes to trying to conceive. And um, why is that? Is, is that because our number of eggs are depleting? Is that just the body is getting closer towards the menopause? Is So it is a, It is not only about um, the number of eggs. So there are two things, quality and quantity. Uh-huh. And both of them are decreasing. And it is more related to, I would say, more about the quality of the eggs, which starts declining in 30s. And you would see... 35, more after 37, and a lot more after 40. And that's why getting pregnant becomes more and more difficult as we progress in age. So uh, a woman, you could you could have two women, same kind of aware and reserve in terms of the quantity, but one is 40 and another one is 35. The chances of the 35-year-old conceiving happily, quickly, with a healthier child is much more as compared to a 40-year-old woman having a similar number of eggs. Yeah. But that's where the quality comes in pictures. So Yeah, yeah, the average age of a first-time mother is getting higher and higher. In fact, in fact, one of my greatest friends had her third at the Chelsea and Westminster 18 months ago, and she said she's about to be 41. So she was, what was she at the time? 39, I think. And they said, you know, because of my age, should I be... Should I be having any extra checks? And the woman turned around and said, what are you talking about? She said, the average age of a first-time mother at the Chelsea and Westminster is 38. Mm. Yes. And we consider geriatric mothers at 35. I mean, the whole language around this needs to be changed. For sure. But that's quite staggering, isn't it? That the average first-time mother is 38. And, you know... Well, it's, it's so many variables because of that. Because, you know, we are, you know access to contraception is so easy now we are delaying it for careers we're delaying it for lifestyle reasons and part of that's amazing and excites me for women like there's there are bits of me that that have seen my friends have children in their 40s and have their first children in their 40s and have had these killer careers 
and really achieve things. And that's not to say that you couldn't have your children all really early and then build up your career. But I'm also really proud of them that they've gone off at a really high level on maternity leave and maybe been a bit more in control, being able to call the shots a bit more. So in a way, I think, wow, power to you. But equally, biology is biology, right? Quite. I mean, it's a huge conundrum, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I think also the consequence of the pandemic, we're seeing that, you know, people are reprioritizing their lives. They're putting their family first because obviously with everything going on, you know, they're, they're making better choices or making choices that they want to start conceiving. But now as a consequence of that, you know, we're seeing that it's, they realize it's not as easy to conceive as they initially thought. Are there other factors in modern lifestyle in living in 2022 yeah. that mean it's more difficult to conceive 100%. Today? I mean, there's an area like endocrine disrupt- disruptors, those things like plastics, environmental aggressors, they're having huge impacts on the body, you know, but we, we're trying to do our best with sustainability and everything like that. But actually we don't, we now kind of realize that plastics in our day-to-day life are having a real impact onto onto that as well and it's an area that I think is 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 still being talked about and, and understood so yeah that's that's a variable as well yeah I mean apart from environmental and of course as we say as as little as we know about what stress does to our body but we also know that you can you can feel stressed and you'll you'll not have a period or you'll bleed in between your periods or some things like that happen so we know a stressful life that we all have all of us these days are dealing with you know higher stress levels as compared to maybe 25 years ago when the, you know so these these kind of things are additional things that are affecting fertility in terms of people getting pregnant naturally or normally i would also probably want to say that you know there is um, as we were talking about pandemic and people are spending more times and reprioritizing their things being spending time at home where they had actually a little pause in their lives, which has been so busy, so stressful, going to work in the morning, come back in the evening, you know, and still working as we are all very ambitious these days. But this is the concept that, oh, the minute we will start trying, we'll be fine. We haven't tried yet because we put that at the back step at the moment because we want to do this in our life and career and this and that. And the way we, the, the day we will start trying will be fine mm. because of whatever reasons. And it often they. is as well, you know, it often is. You're right. It often is. And as we say, one in four couples are we saying now as a global stats will have problems conceiving. It often is. So three will conceive normally and naturally absolutely fine. It's about knowledge it's yeah. about being aware yeah it's i agree i agree all power to women all it's all about you know i am yeah. a woman myself who's you you know done everything that i wanted in my life but i want my women to be aware i've asked this question before i know i know what you're going to say but, but is there a way of knowing that of predicting that you might have problems so that you don't leave it till the last minute because you are right lots of people go right we're not ready am i going to start and then Six months go by and they're like, shit, right, it's not happening. Is there any way of predicting or recognizing that you might early on tests you can take in your 20s that say, right, you've got a low count or you've got a something so that you're just, because I really believe knowledge is power. And if I could have known that and said, right, I don't want to have children until I'm 32 or whatever it is. But at 26, I just want to check that I haven't, I haven't got a massive roller coaster in, in front of me. Is there anything you can do? Yes, absolutely. So I would, I would uh, at this point, I, I would introduce my clinic as well at Gannett City Fertility, mm-hmm. where I am working currently. We've got um, what we call as initial assessment packages for couples. I would say if you 
whether you're single, you're a single man or mm -hmm. a woman, or you're in a relationship, you're a couple, you want to find out and you want to you want to have that peace of mind. So what you do is you come and if you are if you're a female, you can just come and take a female fertility assessment package where you would have a scan. We would look at your ovaries, general health, you know, your shape, size of your uterus, number of follicles on your ovaries. And you'll also have a blood test for AMH, which is anti-malarian hormone, which is considered as a biomarker. We put the two together and then you have a consultation um, with with myself or one of my colleagues and we explain you the results and that kind of puts you at one peace of mind that fine, everything is fine. We will take your medical history, we will take a history to see if you are actually, is there any early signs of endometriosis? Very well known that that can interfere with fertility sure. or is there any signs that you could be suffering from polycystic ovarian disease where again this can inter interfere with fertility we can discuss we can prepare you we can educate you for that as you're saying knowledge and education Excellent. is what we need um, we don't need to rush into having children we just need to be aware do you and you assess men on a similar basis on a similar basis we'll do semen assessment and uh, know if there is any issues with that and, and is there a i love a statistic is there a statistic as to who is more likely to be the cause of infertility in a couple if you say it's one of if you say it's seven percent of women and one of all couples does it tend to be more female related or male related again it's 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 not like that it's not okay. like who, who who would be unfortunately again when we talk, when we talk about the age because women will age and because not not they Damn will age these men they they get, they get older no, they have it so lucky because they you know they regenerate every 3 months yes. and that's that's the frustrating thing <laughs> because we are born with our eggs yeah we 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 that will never change depleting, yeah. men can rechange or or you know can enhance their motility their morphology every three months through diet through lifestyle changes um, so they can really kind of get back on track but there is a definitely now as we now uh, becoming more and more aware about de a decline in um, quality of the sperm also with age which in ages you know back in the ages with that thought sperm will never age or men will never age they will have it you know all the time and every where whatever age they are but now it is now getting more and more established that that the semen quality or, or sperm quality decreases with age so men in their 50s or late 50s there are chances of more um kind of genetic conditions that can be transmitted or uh, you know carried over because of the sperm being of right. poorer quality um so yeah, but and it's still largely still the women. Okay. I think going back to your question, Georgie, it's about taking a functional approach to your fertility, and I think that's so important. You know, regardless of what age you are at. I mean, obviously, the younger, the better, the higher success rates of conception. But just doing, you know, for any advice like that, just get your baselines done. Yeah. Find yeah. out where you're at in Absolutely. that at that snapshot in yeah, time, yeah. whether you're, you know, you're a guy or a girl. Um, and just really find out where you are, because as soon as you know that foundation, then you can start making plans and start yeah. making decisions as to when you even want Maybe. to think about yeah. conceiving or just fertility preservation. You know, with egg freezer, you can really work out what your next step is going to be. Yeah, I, I, I'm so with you. I mean, I bang on about knowledge being power, but my God, it is, isn't it? Don't know, can you tell us more about your journey and when, I guess, when you realised that sure. things weren't going to be 
straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of class myself as an educated woman. Um, but when I got to, well, when my husband and I got married, I got married at 30. And then um, we sort of delayed um, thinking about having children, I'd say probably a year, two years How after that. So I'm 36 now. And we suddenly realized after trying for about a year that things just weren't working and we didn't know why. So we did the normal thing that everyone goes to, go to the local GP. It was kind of met with very, with almost like a disregard, like it wasn't important. Um, so I started sort of looking into what options I could do to find out what my fertility is like, where we're at and my husband's. Um, and then so my journey started or our journey. <laughs> and we sort of had unexplained infertility which is a term that gets banded quite a lot and it unfortunately doesn't give you an idea as to what the underlying issue is we do think now in hindsight it was possibly more of a male factor but equally I did have slight polycystic ovaries um, so basically that combined with stress lifestyle age all of that kind of I think played a part in it and so I wasn't keen to start to start trying IVF I felt that it was this huge scary treatment and so I started a softer approach we started just on meds um, went to Clomid it's the thing that's first mm. prescribed I think by most consultants to stimulate ovaries that wasn't working then went on to and that's where if you haven't had a period for a while for example yeah it yeah, just it, it just it, do you know what? it supercharges everything yeah. in the hope that you know um, gets things moving. It's a good first step though. 100%. Easy, easy first step to take. That didn't work, went on to a different type of medication. And is that something, can I ask, just claiming, is that something you could go to your GP and would they do for you or does it have to be done by a specialist? It should be done by a specialist. And I don't know, Daniel, were you prescribed that from your GP or no. you were referred yeah. to? A, I, it is usually the gynecologist or the fertility consultant who would then, you know, prescribe you this is as a first line of treatment, again, depending on your history, age and everything. Sorry, yeah. continue. And then I kind of graduated to an IUI. So it's essentially, I call it it's turkey basting. You know, essentially <laughs> you're getting turkey basted um, uh, in the what home. What does IUI stand for? Intrauterine insemination. Yeah, insemination, that's the one. Um, so I did three cycles of that. And that is when they collect the sperm. Exactly. And, and it goes. Exactly, as high as possible to get it right up there. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work. Um, we did three rounds of that. And then we sort of had a break. So we were, it, it's, you know, you're still on medication all throughout that. And it plays havoc with your hormones. Like you're completely up and down, up and mm -hmm. down. So we had a break. And then we decided that we go for IVF. Um, and can I just, before we get onto the yeah. IVF route, are you private at this stage? Yes. So I was kind of going half on NHS, half on private, but I was frustrated. Look, the NHS is incredible at so many things. I'm with for you. Me, I'm with you. I'm in a huge &E, supporter of the you know, NHS. Um, giving birth, it's incredible. But I was frustrated and I also wanted to fast track because I wasn't And it's not going to happen as quickly exactly. as you. I think that's the reality. That's exactly. It. And, and yeah, I... I I, I, we are so bloody lucky in this country. I had all my babies on the NHS and had great experiences and I think we're so lucky. But when you, as a woman, decide you want to get pregnant, yeah. it's hard for a man to understand. But also so, I want to say that private, yes, it's costly, but there are so many things out there to support you now financially through that. Um, and things like there's fertility insurance, which is something that we did, which helped offset quite a large chunk of of 
our treatment. And how do you, I think that's so interesting because that's the brutal reality, isn't it, about IVF is that, and I know that it is available on the NHS now, but I've had a friend with a son who, who did both and she said the care, the level of care and the level of just, I guess, proactivity privately versus well there's also shorter lead times simply because yeah. there's yeah. you know they're not overwhelmed they're not... as we've been talking sure. about it's all about time yeah and they can make some of this and do with yeah. this and, do, and you know yeah they, they've got the resources to do that privately but so so that is you know the brutal reality but you can get two rounds on the nhs now there's different criteria oh. with different different nhs trusts not right. necessarily it's called the postcode lottery as well right. so basically you have to i mean that the, the the sort of generic one is that you have to have been trying for at least two years to qualify. But equally, there are so many more variables. If you are with a partner who already has kids from a previous relationship, you don't qualify. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's, but again, it changes them diff- so each it's different. It's so, really so, so tough. It's tough. Hard so to so get back qualified. to your fertility insurance. Yeah. At what point did you take that out? Because uh, I'm not, my, my husband's always said that a wise man once told him to stand more of his own insurance in life but there are certain things that my god yeah um this is this is one i i put at the top of the list at what point did you make that decision and well, do you have to have done it for a number of years because insurance companies will show off you if they can so it's a little bit different it's it's really for ivf or ICSI. Um, because there's such huge amounts of money and there are different you have to qualify for different things so depends on your ovarian reserve your age and there are different packages you can do you can do a multi-package which a a multi-two-prong package which is just two um, rounds you pay a certain amount of money up front um, and usually it's um, a little bit cheaper than overall if you were say going to a clinic and just paying as you go so it's more of a payment plan than Sort insurance. of, yeah. But then you have uh, different packages where you can do as many rounds as you want for a year. And if it doesn't result in a live birth, you get full refund. Obviously, you want the live birth um, and you get the full refund should that not happen. Do you know the name of any of Yeah, these? it's called Access Fertility. Mm. And they do, they're linked up with with the the main clinics within the yeah, UK. Annalie, you're, you're nodding. Are you in agreement that this is a sensible... We've got, uh, I mean, Access Fertility. We work with Access Fertility at City Fertility as well. In our clinic ourselves at City Fertility, we've got packages, you know, like for egg freezing, women who are doing egg freezing. And we think that they will need more than one cycle once they've had seen their, their reserves and, and, and uh, assessment um, when we will be talking about, if we would, about egg freezing, there are certain numbers that we advise you to freeze to have that kind of surety. Nothing is 100% in medicine, but coming up to 70, 80% chances of having uh, you know, successful life. But later on, when you're actually going to use it, we tell you a certain number of eggs that you want to freeze. So if I feel that, say, you're coming for egg freezing and I feel that we were not going to get that number in one cycle, you would need two cycles, but we have packages where you can you, you you can have three cycles for almost a similar cost as two cycles, just so that it makes it easier, encourages women who need it and cannot afford, or you know it it, it does can become quite expensive. What, what are you looking at to free, for a three egg package freezing? I don't know what exactly the cost is for the packages, but I know that definitely three cycle almost is equivalent to paying for two separate cycles. Okay. It's similar to what uh, Dan Daniel is saying that, you know, when you're doing multi-cycle packages, you 
almost get a discount on the second or the third It's basically cycle. a bog off. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is the best kind of bog off. Yeah. Um, so just to give you an idea of like price points, um, I'd say the minimum for a round of IVF is probably around three, three and a half thousand pounds yeah. uh-huh. yeah. but that's not including the meds and i want to talk about the meds because um that... can i ask one question just yeah. quickly egg freezing what age would you say it's not worth egg freezing from not worth i think if you're 40 plus then don't it's egg not okay, yeah don't, don't yeah okay right sorry <laughs> but only because i think that's a really people think about it too late so look into those costs that's what i'm saying yeah yeah and you're nodding okay so sorry back to your no. pricing and the med costs so the meds are and it this obviously depends everyone's protocol is so different and you're constantly having to change your protocol during your cycle because the way your hormones are responding to certain meds and and how your uterus lining is looking and how your eggs are, you know at different parts of your cycle often the meds are i mean the meds are extortionate you know they really are um a lot of clinics you know at the end of the day they are a business they're running a business so there is um you know a bit of a hike with some of the meds and when i joined my support group going through ivf um, one of the biggest takeaways from it is that there are places out there that can help i guess take the cost find cheaper versions of your meds so it's really worth doing the research so say for example asda so the guy who founded asda mr walmart his wife went through ivf and he was so frustrated and angry at the cost of the medicine that you need for ivf that he makes it now cost price so any asda pharmacy near yeah find your local one near your your clinic there tends to be if you find your clinic, there tends to be a big Asda pharmacy near your clinic. You'll find it at a cost price. And it makes a If you think of that American documentary huge, about price fixing of medication. Yeah, huge. Oh. And, and there are certain bigger hospitals, private hospitals, who have large fertility clinics. And again, because of the volume of medicine they're going through, they tend to have a lower costing. Right. So I so went to... Asda's it. your friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Asda is your friend. Or, yeah exactly so you say you're looking at three and a half to five thousand for your first round yes plus your meds plus your meds to add on i would say another two grand on top of that wow okay and then you talk about access fertility as this sort of package exactly it's a really good how does that work so um it's a really good way of um just offsetting some of the costs it as Malini said it's it sort of makes a couple of rounds more like one round of treatment in terms of the costing uh, so a lot of clinics nationwide have links to access. And so they will work with your clinic to help support you financially. But also there's a huge movement at the moment of big corporations. And, and I appreciate this is for anyone who works perhaps in a bigger company setting with corporate wellness and um, modern fertility, modern benefit packages. And we're seeing this real movement within law firms, within bigger corporations um, that will help you uh, financially support you through fertility, surrogacy. So companies say like Carrot Fertility, which is a US company that just recently launched in the UK, mm-hmm. are now working with, say, Google or big law firms in the city. And they offer as part of a benefits package help financially through fertility God, and surrogacy. And so, obviously that, that's, that is... Those are the women who might have prioritized their career and then exactly. be more likely to need help. So help well, help. we know Google now has 
for yeah. about 10 years offered then, yeah. help with um, egg freezing. Yes, yeah. yes, actually, yeah, I did know that. I think that's something we should, we hopefully, going forward, more and more employers, more and more corporate companies will be encouraging um, women, whether it is doing egg freezing, mm. looking at the right time, giving them the opportunity and kind of that financial support because a lot of us will not be able to do it just because, you know, it can it can take, you know, a good amount of money to do things mm. like this. So if, if we get help, if they get help with the, from their employers, and that's something that, you know, will make it yeah. easier for and, them. And, and you it? know what, I'd give any advice to look at your fertility policy at work and challenge it. It's, it's, I did this and I changed our fertility policy at work because... And this isn't that important. Yeah, because it just wasn't good enough and enough time off to do a full round of IVF. I think it was in total four or five days, which is just ridiculous because you need to be in and out of the clinic most days over a course of a cycle mm. and challenge it and and you know and nowadays employers are far more respectful and will respond really well to to do that and and keep their their employees well employees, you know. I mean we were talking about this briefly before we started recording um, but I was saying that I was interviewed for a book last week about being an employer and a working mother um, and I said I would really encourage, she said, you know, any final words? And I said, I would really encourage women to go to their employers and open up to them. And I think, I think in the course of running Shed Out since sort of 15 years, I've had, I want to say at least three employees who've been through IVF and who've been very open with me and who I would like to say I've been supportive with. And as a mother myself, I've, I know how important it is to get that job done and, and how I would say to them, you know, Text me, send me a message saying, you've got to go, it's a shit day, or you've had bad news, or you've got to go and inject, or you've got to go and put your meds in the freezer. And I remember one saying, God, it's so great to feel supported. I guess in some in some industries, that's not the case. I guess yeah. in I mean, like, male-dominated industries, you know, you might get overlooked for that promotion, for that. I think, you know, I think, look, I think the world is changing. Hopefully it will. I think, hopefully I think it will. We need to have these step. conversations, yeah. 100%. And it all comes down to the conversation and keeping the conversation open and really removing that taboo and stigma yeah. and making it, and, and look, at the end of the day, it's about normalizing it and normalizing this issue that is affecting so many women and men. You know, men make 50% exactly. of the of the formula. And it, mm. it really is something that we just need to keep talking about it and being more open about it. And yeah. we're seeing this happening, you know, even in the last three, four years, it's just really changed as, as women and men are prioritizing their fertility. But I, but I think just to, to my, it's very difficult to go through something like IVF. Oh my goodness. Without your employer, no. And I've got girlfriends who've done that. I did it. Several. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I Sneaking off uh, to appointments. So oh like, my goodness. Oh, I, I'm just whoa that blows my mind and then it fails or I mean in the whole miscarriage thing and the idea that I mean god that's another conversation isn't mm. it but these conversations have got to be had mm. and it goes back to that like archaic point of there not being many women at the top and you then potentially getting overlooked for something but it's got to change because it's such it's got to change such a hard thing to go through and as, as someone who didn't have fertility problems I found I couldn't concentrate on anything else. I mean, it's totally all-encompassing, let alone what you went through. <laughs> I would say I was exactly the same. I I started my treatment and I didn't tell anyone at work. I barely even told my family members. I wanted to kind of keep it. I almost felt I had this dirty secret and I felt like a failure as a woman that I couldn't conceive and do the mm -hmm. one thing that 
I am naturally born to do. And honestly, by not talking about it, I was hindering the success of my treatment. And so when I started, I actually joined a face in-person support group. And that was, was the turning How did you point. find that support group? It was actually at my clinic. Often clinics do yeah. do a support group. And I would highly, highly recommend anyone to join and I totally appreciate it. it might not be for everyone but there are other support oh, no, systems I went on a forum there. when I was exactly. trying to get it's pregnant and it took me I think I mean it took me four months all I'm going to say is take my hat off to you Danielle because it took me four months with my first and it was the hardest and my best friend sneezed and got pregnant and four months felt like four years so I don't have a fucking clue what you've been through but it is all I could think about. I was yeah. on a four, and it was the, it, it really made me feel better. Like, oh, it, it really so does. And I get I, it. When yeah. you speak to other women who are going through the same issues, or perhaps going on different journeys, but we all have the same end game that we all want to get pregnant, you find the most amazing support and love yeah. from practically strangers. And these women who were my IVF support group, we are now friends to this day. We've all had children as a consequence. Um, and we, honestly, there was a point where I had to stop one of them from scrubbing in to my embryo transfer because my husband was away in the States and I was in on my own. And she, I had to, to literally physically restrain her from coming in. That's the support and the love oh, that you get. That's lovely, isn't I, it? I can't, I can't emphasize how helpful and how I do think the, the, the reason I did get pregnant was the support of these women and how they really lifted me through up through the hardest times and the hardest points of my treatment. And, you know, we had many, many uh, failures within, within our journey. And unfortunately, it's just the nature of the game. But knowing that I had this band or this village of women yeah. behind me cheerleading from the side but one in four couples you said I mean why and maybe it's private and some people don't want to share it I mean I'm quite an open person but I just think how but much there, but easier there, just to... equally there are things you can do where you don't have to you can still have that privacy so you yes. know there are support groups online that you don't yeah, even yeah, need yeah. to show your face there are so many things you can do now there's peanut like the app peanut yes, they have yes. a whole fertility section now and I would just strongly advise anyone going through it the benefits of talking to someone locally or going through a similar thing to you I mean you I felt it's so bonding I mean even 100 percent you, you don't feel group, you can meet people who are so different to exactly. you but you bond over this this thing in your it's life common. You, um, Daniel can we go back to your <laughs> journey and just so you so you did your turkey basting did my turkey basting and alongside the the medical side i literally tried everything else i'd have to say acupuncture was a bit hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The game changer for me as well. So we now understand that, um, and the medical, the, the kind of Western medical side really acknowledge the fact having acupuncture alongside your treatment can really help bolster the effects. And we're now seeing in so clinic, perfect. there are resident acupuncturists within clinics. So for me, when I went for my um, embryo transfer, I went into clinic on the day of going into surgery. I went to see my acupuncturist 10 minutes before I went down to theater and she you know, stimulated everything, got the blood moving, I put a heat lamp on. I then went into theatre um, and then came back out and again had another session of acupuncture. And I honestly think that also massively helped the fact that I could, Amazing. I got a bit stuck. Finally, where do you stand on acupuncture? Uh, no, I agree. We have now taken acupuncture as a very good adjuvant therapy, but I'm, I'm still not sure about how scientifically it would work, but yeah. I definitely know, as uh, Daniel like was saying, pre and, yeah. Yeah, pre and post transfer patients have it. We have an in-house acupuncturist, um, you know, at City where women feel relaxed. I think that that mere 20 minutes, half an hour before going mm. for transfer, which is one of the most, uh, you know, fragile state, anxious state when they are in, a, in that stage, and we all want this to work. They definitely want this to work after being through all these injections mm. and coming to the try time when we are putting the embryo back. Whatever you try, there's some bit of anxiousness in there. For and sure. just just going through that session of half an hour where you know you you're get being relaxed. Exactly. Get into the zone. I mean like anything to de-stress. Um so back to your idea. Yeah. <laughs> so we decided to do IVF. On the day of egg retrieval, um, I was at the point of getting overstimulated, which is something that mm -hmm. perhaps we should talk about as well, because it's it can get a little dangerous. Um, it's a bit of a it's a balancing game, isn't it? It scales and totally. and actually I've seen people go through rounds and they're so disappointed when the first round doesn't work. And they're, they're, you know, they're understimulated, then they're overstimulated. And I'm Absolutely. always like, they're learning your body, they're just working mm. you out. It is, it is, it is, it is. It's, you know, as we know, all, everyone, all of us have individuals, so is our body, and so is the response to the treatment. I definitely don't believe that one, you know, one policy can suit everyone, mm -hmm. one kind of treatment can suit everyone. It, and it takes time. Sometimes you could do. I could think that you are the most easiest person to stimulate. I'm going to use this, this, this. This is your protocol. And I've done your all your hormones and I've checked everything. And this is what I... But when I do actually start uh, the stimulation for and you... And that's stimulating your eggs, right? Yeah, exactly. That's when okay. we are stimulating the ovaries. And you might under-respond, so you might over-respond, even with the monitoring, the intense monitoring that we do um, at our clinic, there still there is a possibility that we might not get the response that we are expecting. Yeah, and I think people need or, to know that, don't they? That that it just because it doesn't work, it's it is they're learning you. Yeah, they're exactly. working you out. Yeah. Yes, it just just be mindful of that exactly. You got to manage your expectations, and at every point of this journey, I had it great number of eggs that came out and then on the day of of taking sp the sperm we sort of came to the conclusion that actually we would essentially upgrade our IVF for ICSI and so the difference between ICSI and IVF so IVF is where they essentially put the egg and the sperm as naturally as they can let it percolate in a petri dish in the oh, incubator yes. ICSI is a little bit more bespoke in the fact that they will take 
the one very, very best sperm and inject it directly within the egg, which is something that we did um, as an add-on. I think the, the jury is still out as to whether they clinics should be offering this as an additional as additional add-on if, if it has Why different success rates. I mean, I think it's 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 an interesting topic. And My friend had that after several fails IVFs. Like it was kind of like the last chance. I mean, for it us, it work. worked. Yeah, it worked. Alan, you know. where do you stand? So, ICSI uh, uh, and IVF. So there is okay. If the sperm is all good, and there is no reason to do ICSI, then we would do IVF. We would put this egg and the sperm together. So you won't do ICSI just because someone if wants. We are not a recommended to do it because it is an add-on, as as you're saying by HFEA. Uh, as I said, it's the regulatory authority. It is an add-on which is actually given a green light. Green light means it is a well researched and has as is evidence based to say this can improve the success of your treatment if any parameter of the sperm is not within the normal range or if you've had um, previous IVFs because the sperm was normal we performed IVF and we did not get a good fertilization or we did not get a good embryo quality then in those cases in the subsequent cycles then we would say we would do you know ICSI and see if that will give us better rates the the downside they're good and bad you know of everything the downside is for doing ICSI which is intracytoplasmic sperm injection or insemination. Oh, we can we repeat that. <laughs> we we would what we need to do is we just um, we have to so the egg comes with a little outer blanket of cells, which is it's cozy and we call it granulosa cells. Those cells need to be removed. So sometime, let's say we've collected the eggs, eggs is still in those last stages of maturation, is still not completely mature. When we're doing IVF, we'll put the egg, we'll put the sperm. It gives that opportunity of maybe even those few hours for that egg to mature and for the sperm to fertilize that egg. However, when we're doing ICSI, we need to remove this blanket of cells and have the, or it, the overall the, cell, the egg itself. And if the egg is not mature, because the blanket is now removed, it will not mature then that uh, immature egg and any mature egg cannot be used for ICSI. We need to have a mature egg for that. So the downside of doing ICSI, if we don't need it, is that we might not have that many eggs to inject. How many eggs do you collect generally when, when you do the egg collection from a woman? So uh, it again depends on the woman's um, ovarian reserve. But the magic number, as we say in, in our IVF cycles, is 8 to 13 eggs. So if we are getting 8 to 13 eggs in a cycle, that means that is a good cycle. We've got a reasonable chances of getting a good embryo to, to transfer and have a possible implantation there. But I, I would also, again, manage expectations because it, it sounds like a lot of egg num numbers within the eggs, but really do understand that it drops significantly after um, fertilization. So what actually makes the stages of maturation. Absolutely. So it, do not be disheartened if suddenly it drops to half. It, usually it does drop to about half within the first yeah, couple so of days. Yeah, so 40 to 50% of, of the fertilized eggs will then result in a blastocyst which is the day five stage yep. that's where we want to be that's where i'm sure daniel has got her lovely four embryos frozen at that stage so on an average we think around 50 percent blastulation rate so if we've collected let's say eight eggs when we fertilize them 
we might have six fertilized out of them. We might not have all fertilized. And then they are dividing two cells and then four cell stage and then eight cell stage by day three of the of the culture of the embryo. And at that point, we might have only four of them dividing properly as we expect them to see at the, say, at the proper rate. Some of them might not be dividing. Some of them might have... Sorry, dividing, what does that mean? Basically turning into a baby. The right. start, the cells of the child, you know. So within the five days, it's five days, isn't it? Five yeah, days. Five so days. Is it dividing so is cell dividing division. into the cells of what would be then the embryo to go into, into you as, as, as a child. So one, one cell starts with one cell to two cells. You know, cells will divide one to two to four to eight. Yes. Okay. Exactly like a cell. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not a scientist, so, you know, my brain is just, just processing what you're <laughs> But saying. the clinics, too are, much, uh. they're videoing, time-lapsing this. But so I, I feel like I can see, see yes. I, I actually have my son as a cell Do and you? seeing him divided on the five days and the what, and I have that as a video for him when he's older. It's amazing, isn't it? The technology, <laughs> these time-lapses is amazing. It's incredible. It's, it's just, amazing. I, I sit here and think... It's just we're so lucky in a way yeah. to be in this it's, you know, sometimes, modern world and have these options. Sometimes you just need a helping hand from science, and that was what yeah. I needed. And, and ICSI, is that more expensive? I presume it is. It's a little bit more expensive, yeah. So, I mean, I think you're looking at adding another £1,000 on top of that, okay. yeah. roughly. Yeah, roughly. So you had your egg collection, mm. and, and did you know, you didn't know until after the egg collection that it would be an ICSI process? Yes, exactly. Because at the same time you're having egg collection, the, the, the man needs to be doing his sample as well. And mm -hmm. that's when they take the snapshot and go, right, where are we at? You know, where are we at with your sperm right now? And what do we need to do as the next stage? Okay. So that happened. <laughs> yeah. And was that round one of egg collection? So yes, that was, that was with, yeah, exactly. So that was the round of egg collection. Um, and then they do it on, you know, they have to do it there and then. Yeah. So they have to fertilize it there and then because it's mm -hmm. fresh. Um, but what we did is um, after we did ICSI, we actually froze everything um, because there's the evidence out there suggests that you have a higher success rate of conception with frozen embryo transfer. And it also allowed for me to essentially re-regulate my body again after all those hormones and have a break for a month you're never going to get rid of all the medicine within a month. But for me, mentally as well, it just allowed me just a month off from everything and actually prepare my body. We actually went away on holiday for a, for, you know, a week within that month. God, I take my hat off to you. I think <laughs> I would have been too impatient for that, but it sounds sensible. It's just what worked for us. Everyone's different. Yeah. People do fresh cycles. That's absolutely fine. There's great, great evidence behind that for us, for me in particular, in the way my body was at the time, I just needed a break. Yeah, good for you. Manny, what, what do you advise? Yeah, no, as uh, Daniel is saying, everybody is different and it might, you know, dif different things work for different people. There was a, a, a big way where where it's it came across that frozen embryo transfer has better success rate than than fresh, but actually the, the E-free study, which is, which is now being concluded, they have not come across any difference in eventual stats about frozen or fresh. However, uh, someone like Daniel, who's probably got, had good number of egg, eggs collected and had very enlarged ovaries or high hormone levels, will benefit from actually having a frozen transfer because, as you're rightly saying, your body has gone through this 
really supra-physiological hormone levels, which you're not used to, it's better to give a break to the body at that point. We are not worried about you. You're 36 now, so you were much younger at that point, a couple of years, two, three years younger. So you were in early 30s. We know your egg quality is good. You're going to likelihood get a good number of blastocysts or good embryos that we can safely freeze and actually let your body recover and give you a chance to feel much better, as you said, emotionally, mentally, physically, in all possible ways to recoup and recover yourself and then have a transfer. But then we could have somebody who has a much lower wear and reserve and and we, we don't have that many eggs and the body is in, in a state which can can actually take embryo very easily and and body is producing progesterone, internal progesterone that is required and might be actually suitable for her to have a transfer as a fresh cycle and that will suit that case better than someone who's collected a lot of eggs. A little bit polycystic as you mentioned earlier. Were you polycystic then? Mm, yeah. yeah. More yeah. so in cases of polycystic. Which is incredible. It's common, you know, so common now. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I am and I didn't have IVF. I mean, it, it's... Exactly. I also feel it's quite misleading for for a lot of women who but don't can, know that can... much yet who get, who get quite panicked. And it obviously really can make a difference, but it cannot. I mean, it's... Yeah. And you can support, you know, you can support polycystic ovaries through so many other things like supplementation, nutrition, you know, the right diet. There are so many things you can do aside from medicine yeah. that can um, manage that. Can we just approach. actually have a quick side note then on polycystic ovaries? If someone knows that they've got polycystic ovaries, it's perhaps, you know, getting towards a time when they think, you know, they might be thinking about starting a family. What should they do? Because, yeah, it, it doesn't mean IVF, polycystic no. ovaries. No does not mean fertility problems in IVF, does it? No. Um, what should they, just as a brief note, what, what should they be doing or thinking about? Again, yeah, assessment. Assessment, initial assessment. Polycystic ovaries in younger women can be overdiagnosed. I feel there are quite a lot of them just oh. being overdiagnosed with yeah. polycystic, you know. When you're looking at the ovaries, there's something called polycystic ovary. That means there is an ovary which has got a lot of follicles, has that kind of appearance, and, and, and we call it polycystic looking ovaries or polycystic ovary. The other thing is polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS or PCOD, yeah. where there is actually a group of symptoms that we're looking at. So there is missing period, there is hair fall, you know, mm-hmm. male kind of baldness, mm-hmm. there's acne, there's truncal obesity, weight gain, you know, around that, difficulty in losing weight. Those When we are looking at this whole group as 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 you know symptoms there's group symptoms then that means there's likelihood that you probably do have polycystic ovarian disease we will do a run a hormone profile for you we will look at your ovaries will do and all maybe possibly all you need is to get that ovulation induction as we were talking about that maybe the only issue that you're facing is that you're not ovulating regularly yeah, so you can have clomid or whatever yeah so so don't panic basically because no. I, I do you hear it i think in you know girls 10 years behind me and i think don't panic don't panic it no. doesn't mean it's gonna be but, but also on a, on a positive note that's really good that women are 
um, you know, getting more informed about yeah. them, their cycle and actually taking more of a functional approach to their fertility. So yeah. on a plus side, that's so good that women are talking about yes. it. Yes, I agree. Yes. I agree. We're going to get to the end of your story, Danielle. <laughs> so <laughs> Claire, you had your, had your ICSI. Yeah. 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 You took a month break. off. You took went on holiday. Lovely. Yeah. And um, <laughs> um, you came out ready to go. Yes. And then I had my transfer. The, the dates didn't allow for... My husband's be there, but to be honest, you're not actually allowed anyone else in theatre with you. So just actually to, to mention that, just be, you know, manage your expectations that you are on your own, but you have an amazing team around you. So that's absolutely fine. It's literally like a smear test. It takes, I almost to the point, and I, I also think about this with my egg collection. I woke up and I was like, have you actually done it? Like, have you been there? I, I, can't, I don't even feel anything. It's like the best nap that I ever had. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. And then for the embryo transfer, it was literally like a smear test done in 10 minutes. Bish, bosh, bash. That's Great. it. Great. And they put the embryo on a big screen. They're going, we're putting this one in. This is it. Stick it in. And then that's it. But then it's the horrible two-week wait, which the TTC community, the trying to conceive community, mm -hmm. we, we talk about this a lot. It's... Um, it's a difficult two weeks, but there are things you can do to just nurture yourself and try and distract yourself. Keep busy. Yeah. Keep busy. There's an amazing app that I use throughout my treatment called Mindfulness for IVF. I'd 100% recommend it. It's free. Um, it's this incredibly lovely Irish um, doctor. I always thought in my head it was Jamie Dornan talking to me through the app. That would be nice. Talking to it? me, <laughs> saying how beautiful my eggs were and how, how beautiful you are. And exactly Jamie, how I was yeah. going to get pregnant. And I was like, yes, Jamie. <laughs> yes, I am going to get pregnant. And things like that. Go for lovely long walks. Keep your feet warm. That's a really big uh, especially after on the day of embryo transfer it's really important and I think this also harks to a bit of Chinese medicine as well but about keeping the body warm and your feet warm um, you actually have to wear socks in your embryo transfer it just it's all to do with circulation and making the body as warm as possible to ensure that you you Bellini, we heard Chinese medicine. You're, you're <laughs> nodding. Are you in agreement with this? No. no, she's not. Well, I'm sitting here with cash my socks. I'm saying, I'm really tasty. And that makes sense to me on <laughs> any given adding, day. Adding on some socks is not, big, is not a big deal. <laughs> okay. um, and just eating like really nutritious Look after food. yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Warming foods. Keeping the body just in a really balanced state as much as it can be. Obviously taking your meds. Um, and just and just trying to get through those two weeks for that that phone call. I mean, to Brutal. be honest, you start Absolutely. you start the beginning. Of, you start the beginning of that two weeks working out whether you've got the the embryos have matured, and that's pretty brutal as well. But then after that transfer and that two week wait, you get that first phone call to see where well, you go in for a test to see whether there isn't a chemical pregnancy or not. Did round so one of ICSI work for you? It did. Yay. Yeah, I was very lucky. And. Little Bo was born 20 he, months ago. He was, yes. Um, so, yeah, and, and we have a few more embryos in the freezer for, for his siblings. So when we're ready, we'll, we'll be doing a transfer then because we definitely will need to do IVF for the next, the next round, well, yeah. embryo transfer, but that's fine. The siblings are waiting. Oh, <laughs> that's an exciting prospect. Yeah. Look, I've got a lot of questions here um, that we haven't covered. I, this is one of those topics where I could talk for hours. <laughs> and it's been fascinating to talk through your story and then and have your input as well, Malini. But can we, can we sort of move through some of these questions? Because I think there's some really key things to cover. If there is no issue with the male sperm 
um, the process for men is obviously retrieval. And that's that's sort of it. It's really it's really the Honestly. Only, Danielle's looking really sort of sad. The only man point. I really needed was my consultant. It wasn't really my husband. <laughs> and it was actually fine that he was. I need my husband for five minutes and then the rest is Quite down rest to, is yeah. exactly. He needs men. Um yeah, I mean, as we've mentioned before, men are very lucky in the fact that every three months they regenerate their sperm. So yeah. if it's not great to start one at one sample, then they can just change a few lifestyle tweaks, um, change their diet, add some selenium, add some nuts, walnuts, everything like that, and actually have quite big, profound uh, changes within their sperm sample. Lucky buggers. I know, Ooh. I know. They, you know, they don't get to give birth, though. So. Can we just talk about the impact on your relationship, though? Because it, it is a huge, huge thing. I haven't been through it, but I can only imagine it's the hardest thing you've been through for one of them. How do you get yeah, through it? Is there support a, for you? Yeah, it's a real um, test for, I think, anyone, regardless whether you're doing it in a couple or on your own. Um, a lot of clinics actually, interestingly, have counsellors within the clinics now. Um, and as we mentioned before, the, there is so much support out there, whether that's through apps like Peanut, whether that's through support groups. There's amazing charities called the Fertility Network, um, different charities that specialize within this. And, and they often have support evenings also for guys as well. It's actually quite interesting. A lot of guys just won't turn up to a support group. It tends to be the female. Um, but they're noticing that actually men do need to talk about it more um, as well. But in terms of a relationship and how it impacts, of course it does. Like, yeah. And just... hard for men. You know, I was saying something the other day. I mean, they must feel so helpless. And all you want to do is make, you know, of happy wife, happy life. And they want children too. It must I think, I think be the hardest, exactly. hardest The onus thing. is always on the women for the good and the bad. Yeah. And I think men often get kind of um, pushed to the side and you've, we've sort of got to take into account that actually it's also emotionally impacting for them as well. Yeah. They're not perhaps going through it on a physical level, but mentally um, the men are, if you are in a different sex couple, they are, um, you know, they are going through it in equal measure. Not to also say that actually, you know, it is physically exhausting trying to conceive. Like you are trying to have sex so much yeah. that it is exhausting. You lose the love of it, it's quite true. frankly. It's not fun. It's not fun. There's nothing fun. I remember saying to, <laughs> saying to one of my younger brothers, there's nothing fun or sexy or exciting about trying to get pregnant. Assume it's a transfer of goods. <laughs> and Honestly, you just got to get it done. Those ovulation <laughs> sticks with the smiley face like haunt me oh, in my dreams. Punch me with that smiley face. Yeah. Um, can we talk about finding a clinic? How, I mean, you were saying you went quite far away from yeah. where you might have gone in the hope that you didn't bump into anyone and you did. I, did. Well, I would say, well, I would say actually find a clinic that's in close proximity, as, as much proximity as it can be, because you are having to go every day or every other day yeah. to get tested or and get scanned. And potentially to work wherever that exactly. might be. If you, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think now we have far more flexibility as a sure. consequence of the last two years. So that's brilliant. It definitely works in our favour of, of managing appointments. But find a clinic. Often clinics have open evenings and this is how we found ours. We went to a couple of open evenings, talked to the consultants, worked out what felt right for us in terms of proximity, but also the vibe at the clinic gave. I think that's quite important. Um, and and their their success rates um and also just what they offered melanie anything you would add to what danielle said there on finding a clinic 
Uh, no, I, I agree with uh, Danielle. Proximity is, is very, very important. Um, again, HFEA, ha if you go on their website, there is a tool called Choose Your Clinic, Find Your Clinic. Okay. You can use that. Very That's helpful. That's HCA website. HFEA. So H H -F -E -A. Human Fertilization Embryology Authority. So it's the HFEA. And that's the body. That that's the main body, uh, you know. So you can you can go on that website. You can you can see, you know, again, where the clinic is, what the success rate is, what the review is. Very important to see the vibe of the clinic. Even, even I would say, even if you have to travel a little bit, but if you're finding yourself more comfortable and if you find the vibe of the clinic good. I get a lot of patients um, where, who have been to bigger clinics because because of the bigger data to publish they can show as you know better success rates however when they come to us um uh, i can tell you about my clinic where where we we're a smaller cr clinic but it is a very family feel so starting from the reception when you enter the, the receptionist will know your name, will greet you by that. They will know you've been on a holiday. They will know everything about you. You come up, the nurses know you. You see, see the same faces. So yeah, you're nice. not lost in the clinic. You mm -hmm. are, you very well know everyone in the clinic. Everyone knows you. And that makes our patients feel very, very supported. Mm -hmm. And they have a good experience. So having that good experience, again, we talk about because it is such an emotional journey and you need that support having the support group and having the support of the, your clinical team. Mm. So you think you should shop around? Definitely shop around. Find something that really works, as we say, for distance, but also what works for, for you as uh, going through this. Having, for me, as the same, having a smaller clinic that really kind of knew me on a personal level. I could call them up if I had any... Not feeling like a silly question is going to yeah, be... And yeah, and not feeling like a bit yeah. of a statistic. And as Renee says, do, yeah. do be wary of the statistics of clinics because often you don't know, as, you know, there might be a vast clinic creating a lot of data or they might not take on more challenging cases to skew their data. Rough success rates... What what are you looking for? So if 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 I have to say say thirty five to thirty seven year old, which is most of the time the women that you are, who are coming through, mm -hmm. you know they start trying around that time, and if they, uh, we would say around thirty five to forty percent chance of success for them. But again, older you get, the 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 lesser the success rate is. So once if you're coming into a forty to forty two age group. Uh, as, as you compare to 30 to 37 age group, then at that point, your success rate goes down to around 25%. Yeah. So it is all age-related, all, all age-related. And, and I guess my sort of final question is, if IVF ICSI doesn't work for you, there are other options. Surrogacy, adoption. How many rounds is too many rounds? I've had patients who have had eight rounds, 10 rounds of IVF, and then eventually have been successful. My neighbor had nine. Wow. Exactly. Had nine. exactly. And she got pregnant on the 10th. And exactly. she went She went to the doctor and she said, "This, I can't do this again. I cannot do this again. Pump me with every drug you've got because it's my last chance in me. Yeah. I think it's based oh, on the individual. I it think is. it's what you've, what you've got the stamina for, but also what financially you're able to do as well because that definitely plays a part in it. Yeah. So I guess what you're, look, most of us going through this or everyone going through this are willing to kind of go beyond to the very, very possible rounds of trying to get pregnant and, and we'll do as many rounds as, as you possibly can. But um, I think 
always the key is, is have a plan, stick to it, and just keep going to what next stage, what you can do is the next, because there's always something you can do is the next step. I, I would say that financially is obviously a very, very big mm. uh, factor because, again, when you're doing private, but also sometimes I could have a patient who is absolutely ready to do whatever and, and, and I've done two rounds or three rounds and, and tried everything possibly that we can. And, and then I have to break the news that, you know, listen, we can keep doing it, but it's not worth it. It and is what coming would you advise to... at that point next, surrogacy or that, that? Egg donation. Okay. Surrogacy is for someone who's, who has got some issues with the womb, uh-huh. who's not able to carry a child. Right, so you're saying IVF, but they could still have IVF but totally via with egg, egg donation. donation. Is, again, this is a huge part of reproductive health that's becoming far more normalised. Donor eggs, donor sperm, there's so much um, support out there for anyone wanting to go down that route. And often clinics here have sister clinics within um, the EU, elsewhere, that actually are able to work in tandem to make sure that your donor, I mean, Malini will be able to explain this a bit more, but there's our legal legalities around this as well as to of ease with assisted clinics yeah yeah so egg donation again again you have to we have to see if a patient is at the moment emotionally ready to do it because it it takes it it takes a while to first is to absorb and digest and accept that you're not able to use your own eggs Uh however when when it comes to statistics, when we've been talking about the success rate, if we are using donor eggs, the eggs which are much younger. So again, it's not the womb that is aging. It is your eggs that are aging. I see, I see. And if we get the egg from somewhere else, we take your partner's sperm, fertilize it, create an embryo. That embryo has got around 60% chance of giving you a success. Okay. Then as compared to if you have a very low very reserve and you're a woman who's, you know, in the older category or success rate comes to more less than 5%. And donor eggs are now readily available. We've got our donor programs in our Gennett London-based clinic. And also we've got a sister clinic, as Daniel is mentioning, in Prague. So they can have all the treatment here, the couple can have all the treatment here and just go there for the transfer. Everything else is, um, you know, done here in the London-based clinic. You go there for a couple of days and you do the transfer there. Can you not do the transfer here? You can if you have, if we, so it depends on where you've selected your donor. Okay. If you've selected a donor in England, in London, here, in our London clinic, everything is done here. If you select one from our plaque clinic, because there is maybe. Why would you do that? Is it a cost factor? The cost factor. Uh, the cost is uh, again. I'm not very good with the costings, but it's it's. A, Can you give us a ballpark of what? I it's... think it's around uh, five thousand eight hundred or nine hundred euros in the Prague clinic. However, it's around ten thousand in the London clinic. Okay, and then you've got the regular IVF costs on top of that. No, that includes everything. That okay. includes everything. And also there's actually emerging research to suggest that when you do carry a donor egg, that actually you impart your own DNA on it. So this is whole sort of um, thinking. I know it's in its infancy, but to suggest that, you know, yes, you might not be carrying your own egg, but when you carry a donor egg, you actually impart your own DNA on that child. That makes sense. Which is, yeah is quite amazing yeah yeah no i think it does come to a point that we do tell women to to think about consider doing 
um, egg donation, and um, and they. I must I'm say, sixty percent success rate on egg yeah, donation. and it's I must say, positive. I yeah, know, it's, it's just incredible so. that we now have that avenue to go down, yeah. and it's it's completely being normalised. And it, it can is. still be can still be half your husband's DNA, but you still yeah. impart your own DNA. Yeah through carrying it yourself yeah, 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 yeah. No, quite I, incredible it is yeah. i mean i in my experience most of the women forget about it actually that that where the egg came from actually yeah because they're being pregnant they've delivered like they you're, you're carrying it you're carrying the it's child your husband's sperm and they match yeah. you know they it match is, you to, yeah. as, to yeah. as, gen, as closely yeah. genetically as they yeah. possibly can so you know hair color eye color to ensure yeah. that yeah. you know it's it's similarities to yeah. you but it's an incredible i have so many friends who've gone down the donor route now and it's incredible that we have access to that and yeah. it's only if there's a problem with your womb that then that the then ivf doors close and and then there are other options to pursue there's there's there are a lot of options to pursue thank you both so much okay can we finish any final words of hope and wisdom because it's it's such a hard journey to go down um and you see people all the time i mean what would you say to people listening um, just as some final words to leave us with. I think I would like to say that because we've got so many options available these days, it is just just get the information, just know about yourself, just be aware of what you can do, what 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 options are available for you, and don't leave it too late. Just getting information enough is just it's a good starting point. So. Mm. That's what I, w- I would want to say. Knowledge that, is power. Yeah, just, yeah. just get your knowledge is power. Yeah. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's it. Danielle? I would just say keep the faith. <laughs> keep Aww. the faith because, you know, there is so much out there to support you. I would also say talk if, if you're willing to because it can open up this huge, huge community of millions of women out there who are going through exactly the same thing as you're going through and can help impart wisdom and advice and just and just handhold you through your journey. And that, I would say, is just the most incredible thing. Mm. It's having your village around you mm. going through it. And when women support women, great things happen. Um, ladies, thank you both so much. I'm thank really you. grateful for your time. What, a, <laughs> what an important conversation to be had. I feel like we've only scratched the surface, but thank you so much for joining me. That's it for today. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends to listen to, and we will be back soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 